G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Today on this episode, we have young, keen hunter and fisher, Adam Pelizari. <laughs> I've just butchered that again, but... That's all right. No, happy to be here. That's welcome be on. Here. So, yeah, like I said, you're a keen hunter and fisher, and you've been a mad keen fisher ever since I've known you, and you were just getting into hunting when we started talking. Yeah, I think I'd been doing hunting for a little bit, um, just it's sort of... I started out with uh, like rabbits and stuff. I think most people do that. Um, I was just with my old man. But like the whole, like getting into hunting for me was a really like long winded way to get into, you know, um, getting out with my dad. And um, it started out because I really enjoyed like when I was like young, like eight or nine, um, my like passion was, I was like, oh yeah, when I'm older, I'm going to join the army. Yeah, well, I want to be in the army. I'm like again, like guns. I was a gun freak, and my dad was like, "Oh, well, I used to shoot and used to hunt, and yeah, you know, he gave all that up before." Um, yeah, you know, well, when when I was born, because uh, my mum sort of didn't want me around guns, and then I've just sort of like that natural sort of instinct in me was like, oh, "I did like guns, hunting, like that yeah. sort of stuff." It's like, yeah, awesome. But no, that's awesome. Yeah. So, where are you from, man? Well, I'm from South Australia, uh, born and raised. Uh, always lived sort of uh, by the beach. Yeah, very nice. Yep. Um, so, yeah, fishing's just sort of always been there. Um, always done that with my old man. Um, pretty close to the River Torrens. Yeah. It's like the only river that runs through Adelaide. <laughs> Main Adelaide, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, carp was always big for me when growing up. I used to drag my uh, my nonnel uh, down to the river and go catch carp whenever I'd like, be staying at his house, so he'd be looking after me. So, were you fishing, like, above the Torrens Weir or below the Torrens Weir? Below the Weir, yeah. yeah. So, um, my, my whole... Um, families like western suburbs yeah. so um like uh, off the letter road like the old like you know first migrants to adelaide like <laughs> off the boat uh, yeah. italian um and so yeah i, I dragged one on and he had no idea about fishing and i was like you know eight years old five five to you know eight years old and i'd be like oh no no let's go fishing let's go fishing and he's like oh okay and he'd buy like a rod from kmart or something <laughs> and then we go down there and I'd, I'd be tying all the knots no no this is how you do it no no not like that and he's just there going all right you just do it and he's just there to supervise <laughs> me pretty much that's awesome yeah yeah torrents can be pretty tough fishing i know above the weir it's pretty hard I, mm. um below the weir there seems to be lots of little little tackers out that that side, I used to see him quite a bit. I got tempted to, you know, take the bow out there, yeah. and clean yeah. a couple up a couple of times. Never oh, did. I've been, I've been very tempted <laughs> like lately because they're doing a lot of work at the moment down the like right where the it meets West Beach, and they flatten it out, and it's yeah. really low water. And I drive over that bridge every day after work. I look at it and I go, oh man! But instead of doing that, I just take the fly rod out yeah. and just go walk through there, walk through the horses. Yeah, yeah, fly fly rods have always interested me. I've never been any good at it. I've got a got a shitty one, but you took our um, mutual mate out, Luke, and mm. he was the first guest on this podcast. Um, and you got him his first first carp on a fly fly yeah. rod. So yeah, was, no, that was that was awesome because that was a little spot just around the corner from my house, and it, like literally just down the road, and there's like Sturt Creek. Yeah, 
And so my, my uncle who, before he passed away, he was a like champion fly fisher and he, he did that like all the time around the world fly That's fishing. Wicked. And so he used to actually go down there and practice. And so I was like, yeah, well, I'm getting into fly fishing. I'm going to go down there. And so I used to go down there. I caught my first fish on fly down there and was like, you know, it's a good spot to take people to like learn. Cause it's, you know, it's out of the way. There's, you got enough places to back, back cast. You're not going to get hung up in trees all the time. And so yeah, I took him out and, uh, but dude, it was an adventure. We like ended up at like, knee deep in mud half of it, and it was, <laughs> it was That's a good awesome. time. What yeah. um type of flies do you use to target carp? Uh, oh, look, I'm still really new to fly fishing, yeah. so I used like the woolly buggers, and yeah. uh, one I, now I use these ones with like a green and like an orange tail. Okay, but the ones that I, I can't find them anymore because I don't tie my own flies yet. I'm looking at getting into it, but um. Uh, they used to make one that had a, a red tail with a yellow wrap around it. And okay. that thing, it looked like a bit of corn and they just loved it. I can't find them anymore. Yeah, Shane Broadbury on um, Tassie, he's, he he ties and sells flies, I'm pretty sure. He's a mad keen fly fisher, mm. so he'd be one to look at to get some more hand, hand-tied flies. Yeah, Lubin Pfeiffer as well. He's really good. I follow all his stuff on Instagram and uh, I've messaged him a couple of times back and forth and he's, he's keen into it and he's sent me, give me, give me some good advice. Those, those fly fishermen are like the, the trad hunters. Oh like yeah. The trad boy hunters. Oh yeah. I'm starting to get complete, into it. Complete different. <laughs> I, I love it. I've got three fly rods now. I've got a six weight, an eight weight and a 10 weight. And my eight weight, I've just set up with a shooting head for like off the surf beaches and everything. And I took it out. Actually this trip just been, I was away this weekend for you know, chasing whiting and everything. And I was catching a little flathead on it. Yeah, like just with little, little red, like, um, clouser. Yeah, cool. And was just smashing them. It was great. I seen it a little while ago, but what really interests me in um, ocean fly fishing would mm. be squid. I reckon yeah. squid fly fishing would be I've so got some fun. squid jigs for my fly oh, rod. Cool. And they, I've, I haven't used them yet because, like, I just don't go squidding that yeah. often. But I love it squid. looks like it'd be so much fun. I love squidding. Just, like... That's what I do over the Christmas break when it's nice and hot. Go down to like Sea Cliff. Sea Cliff. What are we in? No, just Sea Cliff. It's yeah. you know far enough down for yeah. me, and I just get out there, float around, have a couple ciders while I'm flicking some squid jigs, and oh, it's awesome sitting out there. Yeah, I went. Uh, I took my my brother-in-law out uh, on like the Monday just been, and we went down to Wirrina, caught some like caught like a dozen squid, yeah, and then um, set a rod out for Eagle Ray. Very and nice. Yeah, busted off on a massive eagle. <laughs> that was good fun. There's some some big rays down that yeah, way. Yeah, big sharks as well at the moment. Like the white population, I don't know if you've noticed, it's just exploded over the last, like, because they've been protected for 20 years. And yeah. It takes something like 15 to 20 years for them to mature, like sexually. Yeah. And so now that they've been protected for that long, you're seeing a lot more juvenile whites just pop up everywhere. Like over West Coast where we go Mulloway fishing, there was one caught like two weeks before we got there at one of the beaches and I hooked up on one and That's they, insane. it's like, they're like three meter wide. So yeah. It's like a baby. Like they come out at like seven foot. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And they're just nuts. Just big fish. <laughs> so what do you do for work? So at the moment I just work at uh, Bunnings. Very nice. And I do that part time while I'm studying. So it's a really flexible job and uh, I just find it's really convenient for you know the type of lifestyle i like to live i like to try and get out as much as i can and, and uh, live off of snags yeah, oh, dude, <laughs> i wish i don't work weekends it's sad <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's really good they're, they're really good place to work for um in terms of their flexibility and like i haven't had an issue with them that's uh, awesome for the most part yeah no it's been good to me that's good so 
we've kind of gone into how'd you get into hunting and fishing mm. already. How'd you get into fishing? Was it going out with your your my, my dad's been a fisherman yep. like his whole life, pretty much. Like he he's fifty six now, or just about to turn fifty six. Uh, his birthday's on Tuesday. Uh, Happy he, birthday! Thank you. Pop, pop a <laughs> yeah, he's so he's been fishing as long as I can know. He taught us himself all this stuff because we've gone over. His dad knew nothing about fishing, so him and his uh, cousin got him into fishing. And you know, over the years, they did their you know, trial by fire with like their game fishing outfits, like tuna, marlin, all that sort of stuff. Like out in the rumor, uh, Exmouth, all those places. And he's just sort of like just had a passion for it, had a drive for it. They get in like the old. Uh, like their old um, two-door Commodores and just like drive down and like run the car till it stopped working sort of thing. And then, <laughs> you awesome. know, tow the boat with it and just go every weekend they could, like fill up the back of the car with squid, like put a tarp down in the back and all these stories I hear about, like, oh, the good old days. The good old days you catch fish you know, everywhere. And, oh, we used to be able to do this and that. And oh, it's not like it used to be. So what did he start taking you out with? What, what did you um, um, start on? I think the first fish I ever caught... There's a photo of me with it. Uh, it's uh, like a 42 centimeter brim out of Westlake. Yeah, nice. It's just like f- straight on a hook or just a white bait and just out. And that's what, what we used to do like every weekend was like, Dad, can I go fishing? Can we go fishing? And we used to go do that. Or we go in the river for like carp and we catch like carp and catfish. Um, but then I think around, well, it was eight or nine, it took me to Browns Beach and we went for like salmon. And that's when I sort of like just the bug was there. Uh, there was no way I was getting rid of it. Yeah, I love salmon fishing. I grew up going down to Salt Creek all the time mm. with my nan and pop when the salmon run, and they yeah, just love love smoked salmon, love salmon fishing. But I hate the beach. Yeah, I hate the sand, <laughs> hate the salt. Oh, dude, you'd hate oh, West Coast. <laughs> West Coast, the sand there, it's all like broken up shells and it sticks yeah, yeah. on you. You have like seven shells and you can't get rid of it. <laughs> so you started off on stuff like brim and carp. Yeah, and brim and carp. And uh, not so much flathead. No. Flathead's actually a real recent thing. Like the last oh, cool. couple of years, I started going out with my yeah. uncle because my uncle was also, he's 10 years younger than my dad. Um, but like, because, you know, growing up with my dad, he's like just sort of got the, got the passion for it um, as well. And so like the whole family is just full of fish shows now. So after like salmon and that, what was the... Mulloway. Mulloway, yep. Mulloway, yeah. I love my Mulloway fishing, so is my dad. Um, he's been going down West Coast for, since he was 18. Yeah. Um, and I've been going with him since I was 10, so I'm 20, 22 now. I've yep. been on about 15 trips down there. And we've seen, we've what's seen your, some big, What's your biggest Mulloway to date? Biggest Mulloway to date. So lengthwise, it was somewhere between 163 and 172. I can't remember the exact weight, yep. uh, le- length, sorry. But weight-wise, it was 85 pounds. Very nice. It was the biggest Mulloway I'd ever caught. Um, and today, to, to that point, I it was the biggest I'd ever seen. Uh, about two years later, the same place, I saw a like, 92 pounder get pulled out of a gutter that was probably like knee deep. That's insane. Yeah, it's but just yeah, wild. You've seen some of those um, those South African Mulloway they the get cob. Yeah. yeah, that's in yeah. Like you see some of the photos of like the big ones that we've caught down there and like we've had marine biologists message us and go, dude, that's got to have some sort of cob in it. (laughs) Just, just South Australian Molloway, man. (laughs) Silver ghost. Yeah, no, they're cool. So you've done a fair bit of traveling fishing with your old man. Mm. What's some of the highlights? Well, going down or going across the West Coast and doing a lot of that Molloway fishing has been some of the most memorable trips like to date with my, my dad. Like, and sometimes we go like just the two of us. Like a lot of the times we go like uh, me, 
uh, some some of dad's friends from work uh, or like now we go with my uncle and my younger cousin and she she smashes it out of the park um excuse me but uh going up north and chasing marlin which yep. is a most recent trip up north was amazing we had fish in a competition out of the yorkies knob boat club uh we're in boat category under seven meters and we ended up taking home like three or four of the like prizes for the competition so we won best uh boat under seven meters which is uh most fish tagged yep. and released uh then we won my uncle on the boat won champion angler and then I think I got like first fish of the day or something. And then they, they actually had another competition, which I was going to go to uh, this weekend just being, but they couldn't get the time off work for the Monday. Um, they actually had to change the rules so that one vote can't win all the prizes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but like, it was pretty funny because, you yeah, know, we're the crew from South Australia that's never really done it before. Yeah. And they, you know, my uncle and myself had never caught Marlo, uh, not Marlo, Marlon. Um, and my dad was like the only person that knew what we were doing. We're this, one of the smallest boats uh Crew of three, the smallest crew, and we just smashed it out of the park. That's awesome. That was amazing memories. What was the type of sizes of fish you were pulling up? Uh, 60 kilo fish. Yeah, Yeah, I I lost one uh, straight because it was a 10 kilo line comp. So I had to use 10 kilo line for your main line and everything. Um, And we ended up going a little too hard on the last fish. I, I, I was hooked up to one that would have been about 120. Very nice. And like I've seen this thing jump out of the water and it just had a, like a bucket for a mouth. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that thing's huge. And then we didn't let go. Well, my uncle was driving the boat and he didn't let off on the throttle. And so he's just going and uh, <laughs> sort of just uh, bent the hook straight. And I just seen this bait fly out of its mouth because you're using like snook. You, you break the back and then you, you bridle it. And then it swims perfectly at, at a certain speed. And we were just cleaning up on it. Yeah, um, wicked. But like, yeah, just see this thing fly out of its mouth. And I've, I've just gone, no. And I've brought it in. And I've gone, I swear, like, I'm like, that did everything right. What species were they of marlin? Black marlin. Black marlin? Yeah, all black marlin. Yeah, so yeah. I think that competition, there was one blue court and a uh, sailfish. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. The sailfish was cool. It took 30 minutes to bring it in. That, that's yeah. cool. It would be, it'd be, I haven't chased any of those big fish species, but it'd be. Pretty cool. I'm addicted. We had a um, past guest, Dave. He actually speared a massive marlin. Oh, and that'd be something, dude. In, insane, insane. You, you <laughs> see the people up at like Exmouth that white hand wire them in at like the boat? Dude, those people got some kahunas on them. That is some <laughs> like, that takes a lot of demand to do that. I bet, I bet. <laughs> so, gear run through. You, you kind of do a little bit of bow hunting. I love my bow hunting, yeah. You love your rifle hunting. You're a little bit of a Remy Warren wannabe. <laughs> wannabe, yeah, a little bit. I know. I like to try and do do everything. I, I, I think it was the fact. I think it's pro- because Prime was different. Is why I went the Prime bow. I got the Black Five, Prime Black Five, and that like OD green. Yeah, looks very nice. Um, yeah, I run that uh, with. I was using like the um, Axis five mils. Now I'm using the Axis four mils yep. with. Uh, just those um what went from blazer veins to those stealth a a e a e yeah stealth veins yeah. yeah the stealth veins um i can't i've been having trouble getting it to like sighting it in properly or like getting bullet holes with it but it fly they fly perfectly but i'm not getting bullet holes yeah looks looks the man to tattoo to yeah that. He, i've, he I've had a chat with him yeah dude he, he's my he go-to guy for like anything <laughs> archery it was straight to him. I'm like, dude, why, why is my stuff not working? He's, it, he's very him. knowledgeable. He's, he's great like that. 
Oh, yeah, I love the guy. I got a lot of time for Luke. Yeah. <laughs> what hey. about rifle setup? What are you chasing deer with? So, for the last, how old am I? 20? Last nine years, I've been hunting deer with a 243, rifle wise. And occasionally, I pick up my dad's um, 308. Um, just depends what's going on today. Uh, but I've, I've shot like red deer and rooster, all, all that sort of stuff with the 243, no problems. Um, but now I've just bought a 338. For over like Samba and like proper hunting. What type of three three eight? Uh, all my all the guns I shoot at Tika. T threes. Yeah, T3s, yeah nice. X, sorry, very nice. Yeah, that's such a nice gun. Like they're just a reliable. It's a platform that I'm familiar with. Um, so I you know where the safety is and how everything works, and I'm I'm comfortable with how it shoots like straight out. And I yeah, trust them. But um, I did just buy a three hundred PRC for like long distance stuff, nice. and that thing is very nice. <laughs> it's it's a very nice gun. So deer hunting. When did you get into Probably 2016. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I can remember the first time I went on like a, a large game or like, you know, go, if you call it go large game. Um, the first time I went on a, a, a trip for anything bigger than a rabbit, right, was 2014. I went out with my uncle for his bucks and you know, uncle, dad, everyone. And we went, I remember we used like the mile on 3030s, lever actions. And after that trip, we, we, shot a whole heap of goats and, you know, butchered them all up and it was just like a good time. It was up like Yanta way. Yeah. Um, after that, me and my dad were like, dude, we got to do like more stuff like this. And <laughs> my dad's like, yeah, we got to do more stuff like this. And then like a week later he comes home and it's like, hey, this guy from work, he's uh, got a property where we can go shoot deer like down this way. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Let's go do that. And then we did, went and did that. And like the first like three times we went, we saw like nothing. Yeah. And we sucked. And now, now we're like so much like we've done it enough now to the point where um, we're not after. Uh, we, if we go for meat, it's like oh yeah, we we go here. We're going to be here. Like you, you pattern the deer sort of thing because we've been doing it since yeah, you know, like the last seven years or something like that. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's good. So what was your first deer? Year? First deer. So there's a photo of me with two like snobby spike fallows. And they were the first two deer I'd ever shot. Awesome. And I was like a little tr- trigger happy uh, cowboy laying down there with like 308. Um, <laughs> I shot I shot one. It was like the first time I'd ever had like a deer in my crosshair. I shot it one. I shot one. It dropped. And then I was like, oh, there's another one. And I loaded it and I shot and it dropped. And I was like, oh, and there's a third. And I'm like, I better not. I better not. That's a lot of effort. <laughs> but no, after that, like I... After that first experience hunting hunting deer and shooting shooting my first deer, um, it just sort of fizzled out to okay. Well, I know I can shoot deer now. Um, what can I do to sort of like help manage the population? And yeah, it's less less of like a bloodlust now. I felt like when I first started shooting deer, it was like I oh, shoot everything you see. Yeah, they're pests. Now I got like a lot more respect for the animal. Yeah, it seems seems to have that that progression as you yeah and it's such, such a beautiful animal like i take more photos of them than i shoot them now um what species have you taken uh so far i've shot ma- mainly fallow fallow and reds uh fallow reds the first stag i ever took was a uh, 12 point red very which nice. is very, like, so lucky like right place right time everything um uh i shot rusa and chittle and next on the list is samba and then hopefully one day I'll be as lucky as you to draw a ticket and go shoot hog deer over a snakehead. Oh yeah, you can go over to Snake Island or um and draw the ballot there. But April they 
you can get the two tags and you just go hunt them on the mainland on mm. the public land out through there. So there's those those two options. But like I um was telling one of my mates today that one of the emergencies that drew that come on to um, my period, he had been, so someone pulled out, he drew the mm. emergency tag and then they rang him up and said, hey, this person's pulled out. This is the period that you can come in if you want to, if you if you can make it. He's been applying for 30 years. That's crazy. Yeah, it's The fact that you can apply that long and just... Is there a number on how many people actually apply per year? Um, it ranges from about 1,500 to 2,000 people apply, put in every year. Um, that's worldwide. And then I think it's about 70 people draw a tag. That's including the emergencies. So that, that ballot's worldwide. Yes. So yeah, any right. anyone can apply for it. It's far out. See, I, I've never had a massive interest into in hog, hog deer until sort of recently. Now I've sort of there, hearing more people doing it and seeing more. They're people a cool doing little it. animal. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, we've got the only huntable population in mm. the world of them. So that's why they're so well managed. Mm. No, I've, I've got a couple of friends that do it hard out, um, like stalking and yep. reconnaissance on the mainland for them. Yep. Um, they've got like trail cam photos of like really nice like stags and like a couple of hinds um, in like sort of this real thick, like borderline, like it's a tea like, tree marsh yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, they're just like, yeah, man, I keep going there, but I just can't find them. Like, <laughs> so elusive, these little things. That's what they're like. That's for sure. Mm. What about pack dump? What what do you carry in your pack on a day hunt? Oh, that depends. If I'm going out for a whole day or a half day. So if I'm going out for a half day, I take like a bum bag. And my bum bag, I've got one of those, um, I can't remember the brand of it, but it, I got it from Snowy's. It's a water bottle. Okay. That as you drink it, it's like a plastic. Yeah. So as you can drink it, you can like collapse yeah. it. Yeah. And so I've got one of those that I'll put in that if I'm just going for like a, a half day. Um, and then I'll put like an energy bar uh, about... Six spare rounds, just in case. You never know when you might get swarmed yeah, by exactly. uh, something. Um, I'll carry my Havilon blade uh, and then my buck knife. So I've got yep. I got a custom made um, knife uh, from actually he's the same dude that did all the um, props for the Mortal Kombat movie that they shot yeah, here cool. in Adelaide. Awesome. Yeah, and he he's a really nice guy. Um, Fallen Forge. Yep. His name. If you ever want custom work done, he does really nice stuff. Yeah, I've seen seen him around kicking around um, Instagram. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, yeah. So he did he did my knife and he did like the uh, one of my deer antlers as a handle. And I, I like that was like my I want to have this done. And then it's gonna be like my go to knife. Um, so I have that and I have my Havilon, um, and then toilet paper. Have had toilet paper. Yeah. Otherwise, you come home with one sock missing. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's pretty much all I really take. I don't take a whole lot on a, right. like a half day, but on a full day, I'll take um, a bit more food. I'll take a two-liter water bladder instead of just my little water bottle, and I'll take actually sunscreen. Sunscreen is like a really underrated thing that people like overlook a lot when they go hunting. I don't hear a lot of people. How do you go about the smell of the sunscreen? I always I've feel never like had an issue. I always feel like the it's like you smell sunscreen. It's like a very yeah. chemically but smelling now hear me out here right we have our own smell and you don't smell me normally right uh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay when i'm when i'm down when i'm upwind of you you don't smell me normally yeah yeah 
But no, um, I feel like it's like same with like Bushmans. My my dad like I won't wear Bushmans because I hate the smell of it. Yeah. But my dad like he's like oh yeah I'll wear it. I'll, yeah I'll shoot deer anyway. So yeah, very that's the mindset of it. And I, was, I got the same sort of same mindset with um, sunscreen. If uh, if the deer is gonna smell me, it'll smell me anyway. What about deodorant? Do you put deodorant on? Yeah, but I use roll. Yeah, see, I like I, if I'm if I'm going hunting, I won't put deodorant on. Like, yeah. well, the human smell is already such like an unnatural smell yeah, to deer. I, I know it's just that chemically smelling. Yeah. Like just you get your roll on, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't smell roll on. <laughs> odorless stuff. <laughs> I've actually got some hunting brand roll on in here somewhere. I might That's have to a thing. It's a Snake Island. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> America, man. They have all sorts. Oh, dude, I can imagine. <laughs> I just got a pair of those like Under Armour um, like hunting boots. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to get like Under Armour hunting clothes in Australia? Yeah. yeah. My God, but they're so comfortable. Yeah. They weigh like, uh, like I don't even know. They're just, just light. The Senate mate got like a couple of them use, use some of the Under Armour go- gear mm. and they, they absolutely rate it. I oh, did. I'm like an under. I think I'm dressed head to toe in Under Armour right now. <laughs> Even my socks, my socks, and my shoes. I, everything except my underwear. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of unscented stuff, my uncle he's um got like a natural <laughs> the the um uh, the like natural all chemical free deodorants like salt deodorants and stuff like that. Yeah, right. So what did you make him? Yeah, Florent Florentine Golda, I believe his company's called. Yeah, They're right. like food lands and stuff like that. I've actually got some of the like crystal deodorant and stuff like that. I might have to take that. And some of the um, the insect insect repellent. Um it's like a peppermint flavor. Yeah, so put I reckon, them in clothes. I reckon insect my, repellent. They can, yeah. Yeah, uh, like all my Katmandu stuff. I was reading the tag the other day. Just because I was bored. And um, it's all got insect repellent built in it. It's like good for like 70 washes or something. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. I don't know how well it works, but <laughs> it's, it's got it in there. Yeah, apparently um, Snake Island's pretty bad with... Because I showed you a photo of it before. Yeah. Uh, mosquitoes and sand I flies. I can imagine. Yeah, sand, yeah marsh apparently flies are the worst. It's a bitch with sand flies and yeah. marsh flies. They're, they're the worst. Mm. So, started off at like mid-teens with your dad going out hunting. What mm. would be your top beginner tip for someone getting their son and getting into oh. hunting, like both of you's getting into hunting at the same time. What would be your top again? Uh, both of you's getting into it at the same time. Okay. That's a good one. Um, make sure that it's like comfortable would be the big thing because the last thing you want is to like take your kid, kid out. Like now I, I love the hard stuff. Like anything where it's like horrible weather, I'm like, yeah, let's take the swag out. And dad's like, oh, book a cabin. I'm like, eh, no, <laughs> I'll take the swag. Um, but no, like that sort of stuff. Like if, if there is somewhere you can stay that's close by to where you're hunting. Yeah. Um, like comfort, especially at like a young age, um, would definitely be a, a big drive for like the kid not hating it if you don't shoot anything or don't see anything. And you're a pretty big tech guy, like kid, and that. Oh you yeah, love, yeah, you love yeah. your gaming I, I, and all I'm, that. How, how did nerd. you go going out doing all of this hunting, fishing stuff? Like, see, I, I grew take... up hunting and fishing, or like fishing yeah. mostly, and so I'm always used to like swagging it down Salt Creek and like this. The gaming sort of caught, came like you know, sort of like late primary school, okay, uh, which is still pretty young. But like I'd, I'd already been like doing like the camping stuff. For Were you taking ages. like portable gaming no. stuff with you? No, 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 don't. If you're going to take a kid like away shooting or fishing, do not let them bring that crap. <laughs> bring like an iPad with some movies, but do not bring anything they can play games on because they would just like absorb they themselves. They can play games it. on iPads. Yeah. Yeah, just, just don't put them on the iPad. Um, 
But no, so like I got a cousin that does it, and then she, if she gets bored, she'll like go through her phone. And just sit there on her phone, like looking at all her photos and stuff. And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you know, you got no reception, right? And she's just there, like, yeah, but like, what else are we doing? I'm like, just, you know, converse with people. <laughs> Maybe it's like, it, it's a really good way to like get people out of their shells and get yeah. people actually, you know, build some social skills. Like, I was going out with like all my dad's mates, like, I learned to like, cause, you know, I'm like the only boy in my family, right? Which is weird to think, being an Italian background. Like, I'm the only <laughs> boy cousin on like the, my dad's side of the family and that side of the family. So I always grew up around like all the older blokes, and so you know, having that sort of background and that experience, I, I built like you know the social skills around that. Um, whereas like a lot of the other people, they're just you know sort of uh, the other like cousins. They're just like, oh, their phones and like talking to each other, and it's just. It's just <laughs> So Very pretty much fun. just make the kids comfortable so yeah, they, make they comfortable. enjoy themselves warm, not not cold. Yeah, if it's uh, hot. like let them suffer a little bit, but like not not to the point where they're crying about wanting to go home. And, and where they like don't want to come back out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, give them a reason to enjoy it, you know. Like I feel like it's it's important to, you know, if the first few times you're taking out, take them somewhere where you know something's going to happen. You know, like my dad knew, like, oh, this bridge this time at Westlakes, we'd catch brim here. And it'd be like the best thing on the planet when I catch like a, a small little brim. Um, and it kept me interested in wanting to go out and wanting to do more. Um, and then, yeah, being a bit older with hunting, it was sort of like just seeing a deer was like, oh, wow. Uh, now it's like, you know, you could go a whole trip and not see anything and yeah. be happy. But like building that initial interest in it is the most important thing. And that's, that's why I take my eight-year-old out during mm. the rut mainly because I, I know that. that we'll see that we'll see a deer. And so far, every time I've taken them out during the rut, we've been successful. But, you know, I've hunt, hunted days either either side of going out with him and I know where there's stuff going to be. So You should show him what it's like when you, when you don't shoot anything. See, <laughs> see how he takes that. See if he's, like, still as into it as he is or if he's just, like... He's, eh. he's been out a couple of times when we haven't shot anything. Yeah, and then we just go out and shoot twenty twos and air rifles and stuff. So he enjoys that side of it. And then, you know, today, like, for the past couple of years, so my youngest is he's about... He's almost three. He turns three in April. And um, so he's, during during April and lead up to April, he comes out in the backpack, checks trail cameras with me, and I just let him walk around, make noise, crush sticks, throw rocks, all of that type of stuff. <laughs> I, I'll have the bow with me just for for myself, just carrying it. Yeah, that repetition. But, um, yeah, just let them have fun and enjoy themselves. And then today I caught up with... Ilias, action man, um, and his son Link, and then I took Ollie out as well, and we planned our first proper actual morning hunting with them. So I've t- taken um, my my dad's Bruno um, twenty two out with mm-hmm. us because he's moved house, so I'm just holding on to that for him. I'm just like, oh, some memories. I'll take this out and <laughs> give it a give it a good good shoot before he gets it back. So, um, and yeah, Ilias's son Link, he had hadn't been out. Before he's been out to Archery Park and stuff like yeah. that, so um, yeah, drove in, met him, met him, and close to the property we go to. You've been out to that property, um, and uh, then yeah, yeah. and then um, yeah, driving in. There's a couple of rabbits on the road. Line one up, got him. I'm just like, yeah, there you go, boys. There's a rabbit for you. Check <laughs> it out. They were they were pretty stoked, um, you know, because with how loud they are when you're out, we weren't expecting to see anything. Like we we're hoping to see a deer or or a hare, like 
if we're seeing a deer, would have watched it pointed out to the boys. We've seen a few rabbit, uh, th- a few kangaroos, but yeah, run run into a couple of hares, shot them, and the boys absolutely loved it, man. They were so happy. And it's good when they're that young as well because you can sort of teach them like the proper way to do things, like especially like firearm safety. That's a massive one. Yeah, it's a, at at that age because Ollie's almost three, Ling's mm. just turned four. That's not really the stuff that you're you're showing them just yet. It's more just okay. getting them out there walking, getting them used to it. You know, like neither of them had heard a twenty two go off before, so they got to experience that. They weren't scared of that, which is which is around. good. Oh, oh, it was. They're like, oh, that was loud. Like, um, and then you know they're far enough back when I was shooting that type of stuff, so it wasn't going to affect effect hearing that's why i chose to take the 22 rather mm. than a large larger caliber even a 17 make your ears ring yeah, yeah yeah um but had earmuffs with me for him um if he was closer um but yeah gonna get some of those kids kids earmuffs for him to mm. um take ollie out during the rut this year and try and shoot a deer with him that will be good fun he took took shooting the hair as well you know we did about six thousand six and a half thousand steps with him so which is pretty That's good. That's a lot of steps, especially <laughs> yeah. for a kid, like a, a nearly like three-year-old. Yeah, on the last little lot. bit of out, hill up, so Ilias was carrying his son. <laughs> Ilias was a bit out of breath, so I'm just like, here, you, you grab the 22. I had Ollie on my shoulders, picked up Link, and carried him the last 200 meters up the hill. <laughs> uh, dude, that's good. And that's, that's all memories I'll take. Oh, it is. Yeah. Those photos will last a lifetime. Yeah, you know? that's I'll right. I'll be showing their kids like this was me when I was three out yeah. with my dad. Like, uh, and it's important to do that stuff with your kids because, like, a lot of like parents these days don't spend enough time with their kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I hope that when I when I've got kids, um, I can take them out hunting, take them out fishing, and it's like do all the stuff that my dad did with me, and just like you know, be ha- like half the dad my dad is. Yeah, know? exactly. And that's how I feel with my dads and and my pop, and mm. like because I I did majority of my hunting with my pop growing up and shooting, and that's where. Like all my memories are photos going out, seeing Australia, catching fish, shooting stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's more than just like shooting things, you know. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what people don't understand. It's it's more than just oh yeah, we go out and we shoot stuff for fun, you know. Yeah, like every pigeon I shot, pop would make me pluck them, gut them, nan oh, would yeah. cook them up for me, you know. Oh yeah, like, I was should cook them up in an onion gravy, cook them up in the oven. It was wicked, and I loved it. Like, I, I loved every bit of it. I got memories of being up at Two Wells uh, on my my Zion ZS farm, and they uh, they got chickens, and all the pigeons sit over the chicken coop yeah. waiting for the feed. And so it would be at, like, a Christmas party, and I'd have the air rifle, and I'd be shooting these pigeons, and it's like, whenever you shoot a top knot, make sure you bring it back and you pluck it, and then we'll, we'll put it and we'll cook it. We'll <laughs> put it in the pot and we'll cook it. And that was that was my Christmases when I was, like, you know, seven through till I don't know how old, shooting, <laughs> shooting pigeons with the air rifles with the cousins all watching, like, oh, my God, he's got a – look at him. Look, there's a bird there. <laughs> That's awesome. So what about top five items for a beginner getting into hunting? What would you recommend? Oh, Look, there's a lot of good stuff you can get. Clothing is really important. It's like I swear by any anything that's really breathable. Like I've tried some of the Seeker stuff and I really like some of the Seeker stuff. Um, but like Hunter's Element, their gear is what I've been using at the moment for the most part. Just like the zips they've got on the side yep. for the breathability. It makes it such a difference on like those like warm, warm April days when you're going through the like middle of the valley or yeah. red rut. Um, so clothing is important. Um Binoculars, a good set of eyes. I think everything, like universally, what, everyone would agree. What binos are you running? <laughs> Funny story. Um, 
I don't have a pair of binoculars at the moment. <laughs> uh, the last deer I shot, I was crawling through some like acacias and my bino harness was open, unfortunately, and they fell out. And I like I, I was tracking myself through like the Onyx Hunt app as yep. well. And so I went back for like hours looking for them. I uh, couldn't find them. But they were a pair of Meopter uh, 8x42s. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to buy a pair of Swarov skis now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just waiting for that, that next paycheck to come in. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. But no, so yeah, I was running Meopters. Um, Meopters is great. Like for the price point, you can't get better, honestly. Um, they're just so clear. Uh, but no, I'm definitely going to upgrade to wash skis next. That's and expensive. not and not lose them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to lose these ones. <laughs> you need to um, glue one of those Apple Air tags to it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I lost my wallet at work the other day, and so I got one of the cards in it, and I'm like, thank God, I got one of those like um, the tags in it. And it was, saved my life. But, you know, I, I probably will actually. That's a good idea. The tag on my binoculars, bit of extra clanging. No, I was going to get one of those marsupial. Bino, Bino harnesses because nice. it's fully enclosed yeah. ones because they look amazing, but uh, the color I want isn't in stock in the size I want, so I'm waiting for that. But that's my next purchase along with the Swarovskis. Um, so we got clothes, binos for hunting. You want a really good pair of boots, something that's going to be sort of watertight uh, to a point. Because the last thing you want is on a cold morning walking through and then your socks filling up. Yep. Um, or what I actually use now with all my boots is Snowy's do these like Explorer socks. I can't remember. I don't think they're called Explorers, but they are waterproof and breathable. And I have not had a problem with my feet since I've started wearing them. They're yep. like an $80 pair of socks though. Yeah, well. So yeah, I've got one pair and um, they, like, I swear by them. I'll, I'll wear them out on, on like reefs and stuff as well. I run bamboo. Bamboo, bamboo. seems really, yeah. really breathable and really the like problem with bamboo doesn't, doesn't is get so wet doesn't they, stink but when they do get wet they take forever to dry yeah it, it depends they but you don't get cold like yeah no that's true and they're not as they don't take as long as wool and synthetic mm. i've found anyway yeah i use i use all bamboo socks yeah. for my work as well oh, they're great. In, the, in the steel caps yeah yeah hunting in steel caps is no fun by the way that's why yeah, when i there. first started yeah no <laughs> we um not a time not a good time <laughs> Quick digression: We um, did a hunting trip back to the Flinders Ranges as a. We had some friends come down from Victoria. Um, this is when I was still running the Williams Co hunting, mm. bow hunting and fishing page, and um, a bunch of the other admins. We all went down to Beltano Station in the Flinders Ranges. Yeah, and um, you know, night before everyone comes over, we packed the cars real early in the morning. We met half the crew down down this way down at Manapara. Get halfway there and. My phone starts ringing, Mum. Um, did you know you left a pair of boots in the driveway? I'm like, ah, <laughs> no. uh, shit! I left my hunting boots in the middle of the driveway, so I had what I was wearing, oh, which no. was a pair of thongs. Oh so no! Even worse. <laughs> it got to one of the one of the points where the hardware started opening the mitre tens up up that way. So I pulled in. What boots did they got? Oh, steel caps. So I hunted yeah. for five days in the Flinders Ranges in steel caps, running up the sides of hills. You're better off in your thongs. <laughs> <laughs> but no blisters. No blisters. Really? No, no feet issues at all. So, <laughs> well, What brand were they? I think they were like Redbacks or something. Ah, Redbacks are good. <laughs> I had a pair of DeWalt boots for work and I hated them. They just like 
the one size was too small, one size was too big, and there was no in between size. So I just like hated them. I used to wear like two pairs of socks. <laughs> so we've gone clothes, binos, boots. Um, a good good knife is always a good one. I love anything with like those replaceable blades because yeah. you've always got a sharp knife on you. They're not as great for like your, your bigger cuts. Um, like, you know, you're taking off the leg and everything and like going around the bones and everything. Um, I don't like it for that, yeah. but just in general, it's good. If you want to caper deer out, you can do it then and there. Um, and then like, you can do all the important cuts, like get your back straps off and everything with them. And like the, the blade's long enough for that and it's durable enough for that. And yeah, don't need to mess around with sharpening it in the field. Um, if we go from hunting to fishing really quickly, I think it's always a good idea to have a good pair of pliers on you. Um, a good pair of pliers can save your fingers. Uh, I've had hooks in thumbs before and it's not fun. <laughs> so a good pair of pliers to remove hooks or any, any of that sort of stuff is always good to have on hand. Um, and if we say I'm fishing for a bit, let's see. I've done three, three hunting. I'll do two fishing. Um, yeah, no. oh, it's a hard one because there's so much stuff you can use. Yeah, I know. Um, I feel like it's always important to have something uh, like a good source of water on you. Like that's why I love my like little uh, compactable water bottle. Yeah. But like that sort of like goes without saying you want something to carry water. And that's why yeah. I love the the camp the, the camel the packs. Camelbacks, yeah. The bladders are just just awesome. I got a three liter bladder in mine, and mm. I normally carry a drink bottle in the side pocket as well. Yeah. About five liters I take out with me. A pair of gloves is actually probably probably on my top list of things I like always take yeah. out with me just because you never know if you're going to have to you know, gill or rake a fish or yeah. if you're, even if you're out hunting, if you're going to like scale some rocks or something, you don't want to cut your hands up. No, that's that's a good one. That I don't think gloves have been um, suggested on here before. No? No. no glo- gloves are really handy. Like, I, I wear gloves everywhere now. What um, about rubber gloves for butchering and caping and that? Uh, I feel like rubber gloves get in the way. So I've, I've got a pair of, I've got three gloves, like uh, well, a pair for fishing, which is like heavy duty so that you don't cut yourself up when you're gill raking, if you, if you stick your hand in the gills of a fish or if you're grabbing the bill of a marlin or something like yep. that. Um, I've got a pair of fingerless gloves when I'm out bow hunting and that's just so I've got more feel to everything. Um, yeah, I just feel a lot more comfortable having my fingertips exposed and I feel yep. like yeah, there's a lot more control involved. Um, and then I've got a pair of warm gloves for if it's ever like freezing. Yeah. So they have like come in handy a bunch when I've been. What out. are your warm gloves? So they're I couldn't tell you the brand, but you get them from Anaconda, and they you, you, they're made for the snow, and you can peel off the top bit. So okay. it's like you, yep. you don't have free reign of your your four fingers, um, but you can peel them off and then uh, slap it back, and yep. then you can it's like exposed fingers at that point so you can if you say have a small trigger guard on a firearm or if you're using your boat you can still wear these gloves and okay, still cool. get a, a nice comfortable grip on your trigger yeah um and then the, the thumb same thing that's some thumb has a cap on it and you can take it off um but they're like 20 dollars from anaconda cool and they have like saved my ass when it's been freezing cold i'll have to check them out for mm. new zealand I'll, I'll find them for you yeah sweet yeah, they're nice and warm i think they're merino cool cool um silly one Zombie apocalypse weapon. What are you going? What's the scenario? Do I have to like maintain it myself as well? Do I have Probably. maintenance for it? Mm. Probably I don't know, a katana. Yeah. You got a bit of reach with a katana? Yeah. 
a bit of reach. They stay sharp. Michonne style. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, <laughs> I love Walking Dead. It's so good. Yeah. So would that be the same for slow zombies as well as like 28 day later oh, rage no. zombies? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, if I've got like limited ammo uh, as well or I've got unlimited ammo. I think the last the last guest it was a like Black Hawk helicopter with machine yeah, guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, uh, I mean, but at what point is that? Does that count? Yeah, yeah. You, know, I, you, you I, still I, need a, you still need a pilot. If yeah. you're if you're on the gun, like you're not piloting exactly. You know? <laughs> you're just sitting on the ground with a minigun on the side of a helicopter. I'm still Daryl Dixon style just crossbow. Crossbow. Yeah, but well, you break bolts. Break bolts don't really break that that much anyway. Yeah, you, you only need... Well, even in 28-day style? Yeah. Like, oh, 28-day style, you'd nah. be screwed. Yeah, no. You'd need to put like an axe at the base of the... Uh, I'll, I'll put you into my world for a second. <laughs> I'll put you in my world for a second. Um, Dying Light, have you seen that game? No. I, no? Not okay. a gamer, man. No, not a gamer. Oh, I shoot shit in real life. I don't <laughs> I don't need to do it on a video game. <laughs> I, I do it everywhere I go. No. No, Dying Light, so you got like... Uh, so you got like your, your special infecteds, to quote... Um, like yeah, yeah, you, you got your zombies that uh, explode when they get too close, or they spit shit, spit stuff at you. Like <laughs> those those sorts of zombies. What are you going then? You still still your crossbow? I'd probably go like um, I'm I'm bringing this back to games because it's yeah, probably the course, only game that I ever really played heaps of. Gears of War. Gears of War. The machine yeah. gun with the, the chainsaw. The chainsaw. The yeah. Bayonet. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Then you look, think about fuel. Yeah, I know. You turn through two resources there, bullets and, and fuel. Electric chainsaw. They oh. got those those, <laughs> those little... Those Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they go all right, you know. Stick one of them on the yeah. end of my 22, you know. Just a charging station somewhere, <laughs> plug your Ryobi battery solar, in. Solar, mate. Put a solar, solar? Yeah. on your backpack. Cause <laughs> never run never runs out. <laughs> all right, I, want, I want one of them. <laughs> I reckon we could make one. Yeah. What have you forgotten on a hunting trip? Forgotten on a hunting trip. What happened? I forgot. I think like I forgot my boots. <laughs> I've definitely forgotten everything once. Yeah. Um. I can tell you something we forgot on a fishing trip. That's a, a real big one. Fishing um, rods. <laughs> fishing reels. Oh no. We got fifteen hundred kilometers from Adelaide. Uh, I went into the car, and we, we set up camp. Everything set up. Trailers unpacked. Quads are off the trailer. I've gone into the in the back seat and I've grabbed the black bag that looks exactly like the real bag. We've got two bags. We've got a real bag and then we've got one for like all like miscellaneous tackle. And the one that had the reels wasn't in there. Oh no. And I've just turned to my dad and like looked at him and gone, Hey, do you know where the real bag is? And he's look I was like sixteen. He's looked at me and gone, It should be the one in your hand. And I've gone, nah, this has got like the tackle in it. And he's gone. We left the reels back in Adelaide. And there's a vein popping out of his head and he's about to explode and he's freaking out. And he's like doing math in his head. And he's like, if I just like unhook the trailer, I could like drive to Sejuna in like four hours and just like buy all the reels they have at the service station. And we're just there going off, oh, like doing the math trying to work out. Well, you just buy it. Otherwise you're Fred Flintstoning it. A little bit of line tied yeah, to the end of I the- mean, we had all the line. We had, <laughs> we had everything else. We are just missing the reels. Um, but no, thankfully someone else that was on our trip ended up having like a couple of like, like 4,000 and 5,000 like, uh, spinning reels yeah. that he was going to use for salmon. And we just put them on our surf rods and we still caught fish. There was like four, it was like 20 pound line compared to what we'd usually run. It would be about 50. Um, and we still caught fish. We still That's caught good. like 50 pound mile away, <laughs> but man, that was like, I thought my dad was going to kill someone. 
And it was probably going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Uh, What's the most important item you take out hunting with you? Hunting? Um, Or... The gun Apart is probably from the obvious. Probably, yeah, the most obvious would be the gun. Um, toilet paper. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. We've it, all, all been stuck there without toilet paper. I have it's four not... rolls in my car and always <laughs> have a roll in my bag. Yeah, yeah. No, I I pretty much always have a roll or like a little box of toilet paper or something. Yeah. I I messed up once. Once I got I, I'd like forgotten to replenish my bag. And I got to the point where, like, it was <laughs> pretty much just the cardboard left, and I'm I'm sat there in the bush, and I'm like, ah, oh, I could take one for the team. <laughs> you, you know, use the last bit of toilet paper, and then use the cardboard. We've all used leaves before. Oh yeah, know, I've gone out with guys, and have come back. They've gone out wearing pants, and come back wearing shorts. Um, <laughs> neck gaiters, many neck gaiters have yeah. I've seen disappear on hunting trips. Socks, uh, yeah. socks are a big so- one. Socks, oh, that's the first <laughs> thing to go. I reckon. <laughs> Uh, the, and that's why there was a TP shortage, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, you know, I just bought I bought one of those. Um, what's it? It's called like um, Bog Pal or something like that. And it's like a little container that you put your toilet roll in, and then it's got a little lid on it. And then you put you can put stuff out and everything, and it it, it, it always rolls up perfect. And if it's like watertight, yeah, no, nah, never seen them. Well. They're all Australian made, and those things are great. You can like hang them on a tree branch. You can just like yeah, you, know, you, you just pop a squat next to a tree, just have it there. You just, <laughs> it's like luxury, man. Changed I, my I, life. I thought this was going in like a bush bidet type thing. Like- nah, dude, that that's the next step. That's when you're like uh, you put a little too much pressure. You squeeze down on your bladder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. That is horrible. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> What's the most sketchy, dangerous thing that's happened out on either a hunting or a fishing trip? Um, so for hunting, I definitely say it was a time I was by myself in Victoria. I was about seventeen. I'd like got my peas and I'd gone over with my girlfriend to Victoria to see her family because uh, I got family in Ballarat. And I was like, "Oh, sick! While we're here, I'm going to go hunt Mount Cole and see if I can." You know, shoot a deal with my bow. And so I spent like a day. I got up real early, drove down to Mount Cole, got out, did found a spot to park, made sure everything was started in, went up the mountain by myself and was there for like the whole day. And it was really cold. It was like July. And everything was sort of icy. And I was at the top of a hill about 30 meters from the edge of a cliff. And I'd gone to, I'd, I'd like had enough at that point. I was walking back to the car, like, cause it was just cockies everywhere and they were like just squawking. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to find a deer if I've got bloody cocky squawking at me. So I've, I've like in a huff gone to walk back in a hurry and I've got to step over this down tree, this stump. And as I've stepped on it, it's just all slippery and I've slipped on it, dropped my bow, bent the sight on the bow, which oh, I, I didn't know at the, at the time, uh, bent the sight, like let go of the bow just started sliding down this hill and probably got about five meters from the edge of this cliff and like ended up catching myself on like a tree branch. And I'm looking down and I'm like, Oh, that's a long drop. Good thing I stopped. <laughs> I got back up, found my, found my bow and was like, ah, oh, crap. My bow, bow sides broken. Oh, I guess I'm going home anyway. <laughs> that was, that was, um, yeah, sketchiest thing that I think has ever happened to me while I've been out hunting. That's uh, apart from nearly stepping on snakes. Yeah. I've nearly stepped on plenty of snakes. Um, fishing. Uh, hooking my thumb in the middle of nowhere uh, by myself yeah. and like no nowhere to go. I must be too loud because I've 
have not run into barely any snakes while I've been out. Yeah, well, except for I, when I'm bow fishing. If I'm bow fishing, oh yeah. I run into tons of tigers. No, like, I see, I see snakes I like crazy. Yeah, I think they're like crazy over there. I went there with my god brother once, and I saw we counted twenty snakes yeah. in like an hour. And we, he, like, he was scared. He was like, oh, can we go home now? And I was like, yeah, we can go home now. <laughs> but um, the weirdest one, I went to go, you know, I went to go do a number two in the bush while I was, like, out hunting deer. And I got my pants down behind my ankles. I heard a, a rustle. I turned around, and behind me, there's a yellow belly just, like, cruising. And I'm, like, like about to, like, basically poop on top of a yellow belly. I'm, like, just frozen, like... Oh, uh, let's wait for him to go past before I do anything. <laughs> uh, that was sketchy. What about the funniest thing that's happened? Oh, I think that kind of counts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would, um, I would say so. Ah, oh, funniest thing. Uh, there's a lot of funny things that happen. I don't know. I was out with my dad once, and so my dad has laser eye surgery. Um, uh, like since this incident, but before he'd had his laser, he used to hunt with glasses, and. Glasses, anyone that hunts with glasses or wears glasses would know in the mornings, like if you're breathing, it just, they with, just, they hunting just with Luke up. back yeah. in the day when he had glasses yeah. before he got contacts. contacts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his glasses would fog up all the time and his eyesight was horrible at the best time. So he just got to a point where he just stopped wearing his glasses yeah. and just like took the L and like if, <laughs> if he, if he saw a deer, he saw a deer. If he didn't, he didn't. Um, and we went one of this place I was there, it was me and my best mate and dad. And we're in this valley and then it's literally just like no trees and we're under like the only tree there and all around us was just like a hill and it was all grassland, all, all grazing land from like farm country. And we're looking at this hill and we, we come out from around this tree and I'm like, oh, dad, dad, look, there's, there's a big chittle. Look, there's a, there's a really big chittle. And he's sort of like sitting there and like me and my mate are seeing this thing. I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, dad's, dad's shot. Like he was up. It was his turn. We sort of like taking turns when we go out hunting. It's like, oh yeah, I shot the last deer. Dad can shoot the next deer, sort of thing. And so it was. Oh, the deer! There's a deer right there. Dad, can you see it? And he's like looking left, looking right, looking left. And it's in the middle of this open field, and we're all just like staring at it. And I've, I've like physically. Gra- he's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. I physically grabbed him and like pointed him towards <laughs> it, and like pointed at it with my arm. And it's just staring at it the whole time. It was staring at us. And he's just looking at us like, what are these guys doing? And and I've, I've gone, it's right there. And he's just sort of like, couldn't see it. And then went, oh, it's there. As it starts running over the hill. <laughs> and it was like a 28-inch chittle. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing to me? <laughs> oh, that's spewing, man. That's yeah. spewing. What's your top five dream animals, man? Top five dream animals? Well, I've shot a couple of red deer before, but I really want like a, a proper big, like big red deer. But like free range, of course. Um, like some of those free range ones you see out of New Zealand are yeah. just insane. Um, Seeker, we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Seeker is on my list of things. Incredible to deer to hunt. Have they just shot look one. so cool. No. They look they just look so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, no, dude. Uh, like they, they just they look and sound just amazing. Yeah, I, I played the clip for you before. I played it on the podcast a few times before as well, but it does not, it's nowhere near as good 
Oh, dude, the recordings Truth are never yeah. as good. I've got some videos of like fallow deer fighting and croaking like in front of me, and they're, they're like literally within a hundred meters, and it's nothing compared to being actually there. Like the best way I describe it to people is it goes through you. It does, you know. It yeah, does. it's just. Have nuts. you have you encountered many samba on your your hunts? Because no. there's a few that hang. Oh, sorry, down I've, in the I've I've had hinds honk me. Yeah, uh, but I haven't seen a stag. Yeah, the, I've the seen honking stags. goes through you, but wait till like a, a seeker like alerts at you. It's it, it's incredible. So I've seen samba stags like behind high wire, uh, but not in the wild yet. Yeah, um, but like I've seen some pretty big footprints through some of our properties, and I, bet. I, I know there are samba through there there's on a, the occasion. There's so. a few few down that way. That's oh, for yeah. sure. So red seeker, red seeker, uh, elk. Yeah, like de- I know something about deer. Where an elk? Like elk, where would um, you go chase? Alaska, 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 or like Canada? Yeah, somewhere up Canada. north sounds yep. cool. Uh, it would be just an experience. Um, caribou, caribou are on there as well. Like, is it pretty much all? Uh, it's weird. I have zero interest in hunting any predator species. Yeah, that's super weird. But uh, I, I think <laughs> I think it's like a uh, you know, like in my brain, it's like they're on the same level as us. Like they're they're like you know, apex predator of where they are. That's what makes shooting predators even even more fun yeah. because they're on that level with you, and it's just like you're as smart as me. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just there's some sort of beauty about them that I, I'm just like look. And taking out more predators means more deer species. Yeah, I know. It's it's like I definitely do it, but it's not <laughs> like a. Oh yeah, that that's what I want to do. Yeah. It's like a look if it's there. And it's like it's it's an op- there's an opportunity for it. Uh, there's no way I'm saying no, but it's like so not not part of your of your five. No. But if you had to go hunt a predator anywhere in the world, what would it be? Grizzlies. 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 I, there's something. There's just because again with that respect thing, I think I respect grizzlies a lot. Grizzly or coastal brown bear? Oh, it's grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, probably brown bear. (laughs) Brown bear, yeah. Like Prince Prince of Wales. Prince of Wales. Yeah. Yeah, Prince of Wales. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. Try and ride one like the Meat Eater Boys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that story is insane. Every time I hear it, I'm like, like, how no one died during that? No one got hurt. Yeah. Just a couple of soiled, un- soiled undies. <laughs> well, my favorite story from like all those guys, like John Dudley's story about the the, the wolves. wolves. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's my favorite story. I love that story; it's so good. That's my favorite story out of all of them. I actually um, know a Kiwi bow hunter, um, Caden Wills. He um, traveled Australia for about six months ish, um, and he had a similar story, but with wild dogs. So he had like yeah. four or five four or five arrows and he shot like three, three, three or four wild dogs and there was one left and he had one arrow and it just like turned around. That's nuts, man. <laughs> that that would scare the crap out of me. Like He's a bloody good bow hunter. So anyone mm. listening, go check out his Instagram. He shoots some amazing animals. He's a, he's a mad, mad king Kiwi bow hunter. 
Yeah, that's insane though. Like even because in Australia, like I, I always see like the Americans, like oh man, I never go to Australia. They they everything there is trying to kill you. I'm like, dude, like it's snakes and stuff. But like hearing stories like that, I'm like, oh yeah, stuff does really try to like proper kill you here. Yeah, well, that's, that's like, scrambles. America's worse. Yeah, there's there's that awesome Adam Green tree story that he told of an old school bow hunter that got gutted by a scrub ball. Yeah, and climbs up a tree. I, I have a friend who the same thing happened to him. So uh, a friend, sorry, a friend of a friend. Yeah. Um, his uncle uh, used to do the like they go into like far north Queensland and they muster the scrub balls. And as a the kid went out there on his uncle's place with like one of his uncle's workers doing it for like a summer holiday or something. And the kid was sixteen at the time, right? And the dude, the old fella that he was with had been doing it for ages. And he was like, oh, you just like stand in the trailer and just like, you let him charge it and run in and then I'll close it behind you. Anyway, so they're doing the whole like scrub ball routine, like trying to get it in the trailer. And this scrub ball has, instead of going for the kid, gone for the old dude and like gored him and thrown him and then gone for the young kid. And the young kids climbed up a tree and hung up a tree. And this old dude is like on the ground. Like the, the dude died. Right, he was like, "It's this sixteen-year-old kid hiding up a tree with his scrub ball, like circling the tree, just watching him. While every time he tried to come down, it just charged back at him. He's too scared to get out of the tree. He waited there for eight hours, and then a helicopter came uh, with his uncle in it and like picked everyone up and like picked up the body of this dude. That's insane. And it's like that's real stuff that happened. That happened like five years ago, yeah. six years ago. Chris McSherry from up um, top of NT, he ended up in hospital a couple of years ago getting getting gored by a scrub ball. Yeah, it's, it's a just, real thing that happens like to, uh, it's not like uncommon either it happens all the time yeah, it's 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 a brutal way to go um oh yeah <laughs> but like you hear the people that survive it yeah. like the people that like just hold everything together yeah well this guy that adam greentree spoke about is an old school trad bow hunter and he died like three four times on a medi flight back to hospital oh, i think i did hear this story yeah yeah and he died like 10 years or five or 10 years later of yeah. a heart attack or something uh, cancer i believe Can- yeah. yeah it was something that was unrelated yeah. Yeah, completely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and he like walked back into camp and just mm. like everyone stayed in camp as he got into camp. They were leaving and they seen him collapse and the Mediflight chopper was in the area doing training exercises. Was, anyone go check out Adam Greentree's podcast to hear that story. I think that's where yeah. he told it, either that or Rogan, but it's a bloody, bloody good story. Oh, yeah. So what's the fifth animal on your fifth top five? Fifth animal on my top five. Anywhere um, in the world, unlimited money, what would you go? We're going to go with a fish here. Sturgeon. I want to catch yep, a sturgeon yep. so bad. Yep. They just look incredible. Just absolute monsters. Yeah. They're so cool. Sturgeon. They, they're, they're prehistoric, man. They they just, they're dinosaurs. And like growing up, I was always mad into dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, and I think that that would just be like the cool, like they're just a cool fish. They look so ancient. Okay. So, so much history in there. Well, do your top five dream fish after. So good. Okay. Go, yeah. Do one more animal. Yep. So. um, Oh. So what have I got? I've got red deer, seeker, um, elk, um, caribou. caribou. Um, yeah, put moose in there. Yeah, moose. Yeah, yeah moose. That's a, that's a good choice. Yeah. Good choice. I mean, if we're going to get really specific, I'd love to shoot like a Hungarian fallow. Yeah. But like I've shot fallow before, so yep. we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll call that there. Moose is just moose, a little bit yeah. bigger than just, oh, touch, fallow. Just a touch. <laughs> Um, so fish, fish. Sturgeon. sturgeon's number one. Yep. Sturgeon is number one. Um, marlin and GT on fly. Yeah. Um, 
because I've caught I've caught GTs before. I've caught Marlin before. Yeah. I'd love to do it on fly. GTs are high on my list. I really want to catch yeah, a GT. Ever been before? No, no. no. Um, I there, went. There is a saltwater fishing park, so we're off to um, Phuket in July this year. Yep. And there is a saltwater fishing park that's opened up in Phuket the last couple of years, and they do GT. How does that um, work? A fishing park? Yeah, I know. It's salt, salt water. Though. Salt water. Yeah, that um, doesn't make any so sense. So they've to got me. GT like smaller GTs. Yeah. Um, Nah, 40, they've got, 40 plus kegs, mate. They've got <laughs> mango jacks and all of that and like heaps of fly fishers and that go there. Yeah, but wow. But I, I, I want to go back to the original fishing park that we went to a few years ago where I caught my big Mekong because um, he's got fish. a couple of Arapaima, Arapaima yeah. in, in the ponds and I want to catch an Arapaima. They're just a freaking cool looking fish, yeah, man. They, they'd be on my list as well. Uh, it's like they're like a, a giant Saratoga. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, the colours in them. It yeah, goes from that incredible, like, that that just that bright red streak yeah. that runs down them. I think so it's cool. they're they're like a like an LED um, like dude nerd's dream. Like you yeah. see people <laughs> that just like deck out everything with trim. They look like they're just like trimmed out with red. Yeah, like that red LED. So no. that was what, three fish. Yeah. So yeah, sturgeon, um, marlin, and GT on fly. Um, does just quickly with the marlin on fly. Yeah. Do you count like because you're almost like trolling with a fly rod, aren't you? No, a lot. A lot of what it is like is you're, you're going te- to tease her out and then you. Yeah, a lot of what it is is switch baiting. So you'd actually tease it up with, say, like a, a teaser that has no hooks in yeah. it, and then you'd you'd switch bait it. But I'm thinking more. Um, I don't know if you see like South Africa. Yeah. They do it um, in like the really shallow water, and they they sight cast them. Okay. Um, cool. doing doing that yeah. is sort of what, more what I've got in mind like sight casting yeah. uh, I'm like very ADHD sort of all over the place <laughs> if you can tell yeah. uh, so, so like just, any, anything just by, visual hang on like for every, everyone listening this guy listens to podcast on <laughs> what two times two and a half times well, speed I, I was listening to them on two times speed and then they brought out like this new slider thing on Spotify and I listen to them on like two and a half times speed now like, but <laughs> from my perspective right I, I'm like a uni student and all my lectures are two, two hours long so I, <laughs> I gotta slam through my studies somehow that's just I, I after talking to you a couple times about it I did it and I lasted less yeah. than a minute <laughs> And I'm like, how does he pay attention it's, to it's, anything? It's you, all can't, the rap, you can't, you can't rap music. You can't take <laughs> even rap music. You can take it in. That's not rap music. That's just yeah. Oh, we're not listening. To e- everyone rap music. just just try it for less than a minute, and it's just insane. Yeah, do it and just like consider how efficient it is. That's t- twice not, the amount of podcasts in in half the time. It's not efficient <laughs> at all. It's horrible. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's fun, you guys. Because I just want to leak that as well. It's fun you both out. Yeah. Uh, uh, I still can't get over it. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I know this one dude. He's got <laughs> he's got issues. He listens to podcasts on two times speed. <laughs> uh, glad to know I'm always coming up. Glad to know. Um, uh, another species I'd love to chase, Mako. Yep. Mako sharks. Um Again, it's the visual thing for me. Like the, jumping the, the, out the aerial, water, yeah. the aerial stuff they do is just insane. Um, and one last one. Oh, I gotta make it a good one. There's a, there's a lot of stuff I want to do. I think I want to experience the salmon run. Yeah. Up in like yeah, you know, in Alaska, but I don't know if that counts as like one fish. No, that's 
We'll count it? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll count, count it. The Alaska we'll count. run. Yeah, yeah. I want to go like stand next to a grizzly bear and fly fish for salmon. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah, cool. Until it charges me. <laughs> <laughs> what about favorite thing to cook with hunting slash court stuff? Well, my specialty is definitely venison. Because yeah. you, you do so much with it. Like my, my love venison schnitzels. Uh, venison schnitzels, venison jerky, yeah. um, venison patties. Yep. Amazing. Um, gummy shark. I love cooking gummy shark. Gummy sharks. Gummy nice. sharks, amazing. Yeah. That's that's one you, you, like people talk about, like don't talk about a lot, but it's like it's honestly better tasting than Mulloway. Yep. Same with flattered. Flattered tastes way better than Mulloway. Mulloway is not an amazing tasting no. fish. It's uh, more of the like you, you catch it for the prestige yeah. of like, oh, look, it's a Mulloway. It's hard to catch. Um, that's yeah. like. Australian salmon, they're yeah. my favourite eating saltwater fish. See, I don't think I've ever eaten an Australian salmon because they always end up on my hook yeah. chasing Mulloway. Uh, I just <laughs> love that strong flavour that they have. They're amazing. They like, do. They're, it's a very salmon, red meat. Salmon steaks, like cut them into steaks and cook them that way, is so good. Dude, the best piece of fish you'll ever have, right? When you just like... Um, Mulloway? Right? I haven't done this with any other fish. I'll just keep that there. Put that out there. Mulloway, as soon as you've caught it, you fill it and you just have a have a piece just with a little bit of wasabi, a little bit of soy sauce, just like cool. straight sashimi off the off the fillet. It's amazing. Yeah, I haven't gone Mulloway fishing in so so long. You I come used to with me. They're catching them off West Beach at the moment. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good good size ones too off West Beach. Yeah, sweet, sweet. What about your best hunting story? Best hunting story. Oh. Um, best. Kill. Yeah, you know, I'll probably call this one of my best hunting stories. I got I got a few that come to mind when you say that. The 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 most recent one was the rooster I took with my bow. That was very special. So that the the whole story is the Friday so we had the a campsite booked from the Friday till the Monday. And the Friday night so my dad went up there the Friday day and hunted the Friday day. Um I went up Friday night and missed the like Arvo hunt because I had a concert yeah. and I was like, ha- had the concert, dropped my mate home and then drove straight there. got like an hour's, an hour worth of sleep and then drove straight to uh, down the Southeast where we go hunting and parked at the gate. We, me and dad had already worked out. He'll hunt one area in the morning and then I'll hunt a different area. So we're nowhere near each other and everything's safe. Um, and he called me, that night before I went to the concert and was like, oh, I've seen this massive red deer, you know, it's, it's over here, blah, blah, blah. And so we've, you know, I've like, okay, good to know. And that morning I've gone, I've got, had my hunt and then we've met up in the afternoon. And then the that night we went hunting together because he's seen the red deer again the, on the Saturday um, and it was over where I was hunting, but I never saw it. And so he, he came with me and then that afternoon we hunted that deer. We saw it and hunted it for like f- three, four hours. And I got the whole thing on video, him making the, the shot and everything, 170 meter shot, dropped on the spot. Wicked. Caked it out. He's got taxidermy in a house. Um, and that was the Saturday. And then the Sunday, the, re- the rest of the Saturday, that was Saturday evening. The rest of uh, Sunday, we saw nothing. The sa- uh, Monday morning, we saw nothing. And then the Monday afternoon, um, like we were like getting ready to go and we seen some fallow does just like hanging out on like the edge of our property and well dad's like oh you know well you know instead of going you know do you want to like try getting into them with your bow i'm like yeah yeah why not so we stalk up close to him stalk up close and then we see in the like top of this like really like thick grass just like really tall grass these velvet rooster antlers and we're like oh 
That could be fun. So we've sort of looked over them and gone, okay, well, we've got to make a play to try and get to them. And so we've sort of planned things out. We've looked at a map really quickly and just seen like where they might be going because we know the property fairly well. We've been hunting there for like four years. Um, and we sort of, well, I snuck in, dad snuck in behind me. And it was a father-son thing just together the whole time. Um, and we've snuck in and we've, we've got close to these deer and dad's probably about 10 meters behind me sort of watching. And I'm just there sort of sneaking in and I've got within about 50 meters and I'm comfortable shooting uh, like out to 60 meters accurately, but on an animal uh, when you get your nerves running, I was like, you know, I, to be like ethical about it and like personally, I, I, I won't shoot an animal past 40. And so I've gone, all right, I'll wait till it gets a bit closer. And as I'm sitting there, I've had a, a group of fallow walk right past me and I'm sitting there like, oh, okay, this is going like, it's starting to get a little harder. And they've had the fellow walk past me and then they've gone from this one clearing. There's three clearings, right? There's one on the left, middle, right. And they're all in a straight line with like this thick grass sort of blocking it. And the wind was going uh, from right to left to paint the picture. And they've gone from that first uh, opening patch into the grass behind these clearings and fed right into the clearing on that right-hand side. And I've sort of gone, oh, crap. I've sort of... I had to pack my bow down because I, I use one of those quiverizers. Yeah, I had to take that off the front so that I could get my bow low enough that I wouldn't spook the fallow that had just bedded right in front of me. <laughs> and I like sort of scooched back and I've gone around and I've seen these, you know, gotten gone within sixty of these rooster again. And then they, I've you know, knocked an arrow and I'm like, all right, I'll try and scooch forward. And as I've tried to scooch forward, they've gone, oh, you know what? We're going to go back to where we started. <laughs> so they've gone from right back to left and my dad's watching the whole thing unfold he's watching me scooch around like on the ground it's like starting to like sort of drizzle a little bit and it's just the wind's just like sort of a really awkward spot where oh, if it turns I'm screwed yeah and so I followed them right uh, back to the middle and they've gone around to the far left one and I've gone right well if they're going to keep doing like this whole like moving back and forward thing and they're going to come out from the back of the tall grass into this opening I'm going to cut it off so I've, I've gone all the way around to the left and sort of predicted where they were going to come, uh, like out of the grass. And I've sat there and I'm waiting and I'm just, all I can see is the tops of their antlers moving through this grass, moving trees, moving branches. And I'm like, oh my God, like they're, they're actually like, things are working out perfect. The wind's still coming in my face. And I'm just watching these antlers come right where I thought they were going to come. And my dad's sitting there like watching the whole thing unfold, just like he didn't want to move because he was scared he was going to like mess something yeah. up. So he's just sitting there like not moving at all. And I'm watching, I'm watching. And I've, I've, I've got my arrow knocked and I've, I've drawn because they're about to step out. And I was at full draw for what felt like forever. I was at full draw for a total of like two minutes waiting for this thing to take a step out after it had already stepped out, right? So it step, sort of stepped out, but the, everything was covered by thicket and it took two steps after i've been at full draw for two minutes and all that was exposed was that front shoulder i've sent the arrow fly let the, let the arrow fly 20 meters perfect heart lung shot like bottom middle heart sort of bottom lung it's ran 20 meters Every, all the other deer we just like looked at him and going what's going on with tony you know what's tony <laughs> running that way um and he's just fallen over and all the other deer have walked off i've stood up and i've just like fist to the air like yes because i've been hunting at that point for probably a year and a half without shooting a, like a proper stag with my bow yeah and i'd got this thing and my dad's looked over me and my dad's just arms up in the air and we were both like just so pumped he's come up give me a big hug we've walked over followed the blood and literally 20 steps that's awesome and it was just curled up under a tree i got a photo like pinned on my instagram yeah um 
it's like the most memorable hunt I've ever been on. Like, I, and the fact that my dad was there for the whole thing and my dad's there like, Adam, I saw I saw the arrow, it hit perfectly. I saw it and I was like, I oh, know it's it's beautiful, Adam. I, I couldn't be more proud of you, son. And I'm like, it's just it's just a very, very touching like father-son no, that's moment. That's awesome, man. That's so, yeah, I'll, I'll like carry that with too. me forever. Oh, it, it is a nice route. It only went 22, 23 inches. But like he, yeah, hard I'd, velvet. I'd be happy with a spike rooster at the moment. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, they're not that common down this way. But um, like it, he was a really nice deer. He's got really nice brows, That's and I'm, I'm I'm lucky we got. There's such a good taxidermist in uh, SA, Dwayne. Dwayne, oh yeah, good old Dwayne. Um, Aussie he, bush harvest is that his? Uh, Aussie no, yeah, yeah, Aussie is. bush harvest isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think that's it. Um. Uh, yeah, he, he kept the velvet on it so well. Like we got it to him that night and he's just done such a such a good job. And it's like it, he, he'd only been doing mounts at that point for like a little over a year. And he is just like he's been doing it his whole life. He's so good at it. Yeah, he's definitely progressed. Um, sorry, not Aussie Bush Harvest. That's that's someone else. That's Alex. Um, Aussie Outdoors. Dwayne, Dwayne is, yeah, Aussie Outbush. Aussie Outbush, that's it. There's so many similar. <laughs> it's always Aussie something, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Aussie, Aussie Arrow. Aussie Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> How original. Um, that dude's a tosser. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> so how do you see the public views on hunting? I think there's definitely not enough education on it. Uh, I think it's definitely like, villainized a yeah. lot. Um, like the your stereotypical hunter in like you know the general public's eyes is um, in Australia anyway is like that uh, bogan redneck go out shoot everything you yeah. see just like leave carcasses like in your wake and it's yeah. just very you know very poor. Um, especially like in South Australia where they just had that whole massive thing trying to ban bow hunting. Yeah. Like, you know, some people... Still going, still going, mind yeah, you. Yeah, I know. It's it's ridiculous. And it's, you know, I wouldn't have bought my my archery setup if I wasn't going to go bow, yeah. bow hunting. I'm like, are they going to reimburse me for the thousands of dollars I've spent trying to set up a, a really nice bow hunting setup? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, some people, you know, it's how they get their food. It's how... And, and the next part about that is, you know, how do they police it? It's all, you know, what's the issue if hunting is all private land anyway? Yeah. What's the point trying to police it? Why why cause such a stink about something that's, you know, not going to affect the majority of people that are doing the right thing? So being in the public eye every day, working in a place like Bunnings, do you bring up, like, what do you do on the weekend <laughs> speaking to customers? And you're like, I went out hunting. Like, how... <laughs> How does do you bring that up? Do you talk not, about it? Not or? often, but I, I definitely have on, on occasion. Um, there's a, a customer, a regular customer we have in. He comes in with a Remington hat on, yep. and I talk to him about shit. He he loves just having a chat, right? And I'll, I'll have a good chat with him, and he it's it's all well and good talking with like, people like that because like you know they come in, they know what they're talking about, they they they're interested in it, and then, you know you know it's going to be a positive response. And he he he's closer to Woodville, and he shops exclusively exclusively with us because he knows you know I'm there, and there's people that you know he can talk to about stuff like that, yeah. and um you know he gets a positive reception for for the person he is and the things he likes doing. Uh, whereas there was this one lady that I spoke to and uh, what was the issue? She was kicking up a stink. She was a regular as well. She was kicking up a stink because someone was at the, like a team member was at the cafe um, paying for like his order or whatever. And she just got there and like, I was having a hefty fit that there was a team member 
at the cafe when <laughs> you should, and it was like something like you should let customers go first and having a, having a really like horrible Karen. go. Yeah. Having a Karen at this, this dude who's like, he's just the sweetest bloke you'd ever meet. Right. And he's just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't mean to like, it. and then she's just having a go. And I've, I've stepped into this sort of diffuse the situation. I was just talking with her, right. And just having to have a normal conversation. I sort of brought it down to, to earth. And, um, she goes, uh, she, uh, she was talking about how like, she's doing something on the weekend. She's going down like the Southeast or something. Yep. She's going down, and then she said Southeast. I'm like, oh yeah, I do, I do a lot of like um, work with like farmers down that way. And then she's like, oh, what sort of work? Oh, I do a lot of like, you know, feral animal management. And she's just going, shooting? <laughs> I hope you've got the right licenses for that. Because, you know, I'm not the person you want to be speaking to about that. And she, it turns out she was something to do with like you know, turtle cons- conservation or something like that. And so she just like didn't like anything to do with like fisheries or hunting. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because yeah. shooting feral deer, yeah, helps with that type of conservation. Yeah, anyway. it's. I, I feel, like, and it's, it's again, it's like that like, you know, misleading thing. It's like everyone's growing up on like cartoons yeah. and everything, like Bambi and all this sort of stuff, and like, you know, um, shooting animals bad. Um, but you know, most people you speak to in Australia don't even know we have deer. Yep, it happens all the time. Most people, like everyone I speak to about it, they're like, "Oh, we have deer here." I'm like, "Yeah, we got like six different species," and they're yep. like, "Huh." I didn't yeah. know there was different species. And they're on the edge of Adelaide, like yeah. almost in suburbia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell, I tell people that and they go, what in the hills? I'm like, yeah, man, go for a walk. <laughs> I, I, tell, I always tell people, I'm like, go down the southeast. I'm like, uh, go through like, you know, one of the national parks down there, like during April and just have a listen. And they always listen go, oh, for the walk. frogs. Yeah, my, my chiropractor, my, my chiropractor, I give him, I get like a you know, subsidized yeah. uh, chiropractor because I, uh, chiropractic appointments because I give him venison. <laughs> I send my haircuts, I get like cheaper haircuts and because uh, I give him my hairdresser, yeah. uh, my, my barber, fish and venison, right? But my chiropractor, you, you have a hairdresser? A barber. <laughs> yeah, my, my hair's a bit wild at the moment. I know. Um, <laughs> that's a story for another time. But um, no, um, my, my chiropractor nearly hit a deer. Yeah, down, well. down the southeast, yeah. and he was like, "Man, if I hit it, would you come come butcher it for me?" <laughs> I'm like, what was it? Oh, I was big and it was brown. I'm like, "Red deer, <laughs> send me the pin." <laughs> so, how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? How would I do it personally, yep. or what would I, I like to see happen? Both. Well, I'd like to see a bit more education on the topic. Yeah, I'd like to see people, you know, not just look at hunters as these mindless, uh, you know mercenaries that go out and just massacre animals for the sake of it and see it as more of a, you know, what it is, is like, you know, the, the positive impact it has on, you know, families and communities and um, the ecosystem as a whole, really. Um, and like people like I mean, you know, myself and yourself, uh, you know, you, you manage deer and it's not like, you know, they're here to stay. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. You're not getting rid of deer. And Sorry, is- Dan. Inside joke with one of the past guests, we're about to do a big thing on, on deer on the on the podcast and yeah. um yeah he's he's not against deer but he's the biologist science side of stuff so oh, was he, that Eureka he, tactical guy? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sorry Dan no but yeah they're they're here to stay. They're they're like you know they're a, a native non native is the way I, I say it. I like, get Sorry, Dan. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know I'm, you hate that. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> there, there's no way you're eradicating them. Um, but like just putting something in place to manage that, 
yeah. is like, you know, it's the, instead of just seeing them as, because they're a resource at the end of the day and seeing that as something that can be managed is, is more beneficial to everyone as opposed to well, what's the best way we can get rid of them as quickly as we can because there's no way that's happening. And that's very on the lines to what Larkin was talking about mm. on, on one of the past episodes. So, yeah, it's, it's like you said, education, all of that stuff. You giving venison to your barber, to yeah. your chiropractor, that also improves the image of hunters as well, showing yeah, that man. it's just more of a resource. My dentist as well. My dentist gets some venison. There you go. <laughs> that's lucky, lucky dentist. <laughs> so what is hunting to you? Hunting to me is a way I connect with my oh, sorry a way I connect with my family a way I connect with the outdoors and just overall a, a way of you know living that brings me a lot of peace. If I'm being honest, it's mm-hmm. a way I can clear my mind. It's a way I can just go out and just be a part of nature and just as a whole, it's very relaxing and it's very special to me. It is, it yeah. is, yeah. I think um, it, it, for a lot of people that are as into it as we are. Um, yeah, they can relate to everything yeah. that you just said. Everything that you just said, I can relate to 100%. It's it's hard, It's a hard thing to put into words um, and listening mm. to every hunter that comes on talk about what they, how they feel about it. Um, every every way someone relates to it, I can relate to it. It's a very emotional thing. It is. It is. Like not, not just the whole, you know, butchering and like, you know, harvesting an animal process, but like the whole community as well. It's a very, very emotional uh, thing to be a part of. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So if people have enjoyed what they've heard tonight and they want to check out your past hunting and fishing experiences and then see what you've got coming in the future, where can they find you? Uh, I've recently changed my Instagram name, so I don't, don't know, tell me you've changed it. What was it? AJ what, it's AJ. It's AJ Pella now. Uh, AJ underscore Pella. So it's P E L L A one two one. And I, I will not be changing it from that for a while. <laughs> it used to be my old gamer tag. That's why I changed it to that one. So get get onto it. Check it out. Yeah, AJ um, underscore Pella one two one. Shot some nice deer. Caught some bloody nice fish. If and you, I don't plan to stop anytime yeah. soon. If you're follow, following my the the podcast Instagram, you'll just see me share one of his um, nice mile away he he hooked recently. So that mm. was that was a very special fish too. That was um so for, for that trip, my uncle actually just got COVID, so my uncle was coming up like three days late. Yeah, and so we got there on the Sunday. They were due in on the Wednesday. Um, and so we, we got in set up on, on Sunday and me and j- just me and my dad and we, it hasn't been just me and my dad there for probably four or five years. Yeah. Um, and just the experience of the two of us being there and he caught a 70 pounder just before that one. And then I caught that 60 pounder, like, you know, a, an hour after he's landed Beautiful. that fish. And it was just that, that father son moment that yeah. was just very, very special. And it t- taking me back to when we first started doing all that stuff. That's awesome. Mm. That's awesome. But no, nah, anyway, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Nah, thank you for having me. I've had a great time. Yeah, so have yeah. I. It was good to get you on finally. I yeah. know we've been talking about it for a while and it's been on the cards. So yeah, it's been forever since we caught up as well. It, it has, it has. It was, would have been almost a year ago when, when Lukey Boy went, went away for training. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, it was when he came back from his first dinner training. We yeah. all went out for dinner, but uh, yeah. no, it was Did good to catch up. The 45-minute drive up this way. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
All, all the good guys seem to live down south. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that. I might need to get a place up here. Nah, anyway, man. Cheers cheers for coming on and everyone go check out his stuff and, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Please head over to our social media and give us a follow. Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, Twitter at Hunting Connect, TikTok at Hunting Connection Podcast. If you've enjoyed, please share with your friends and family, tag us in your photos and videos on social media, subscribe, rate and review to help grow the podcast. If you're interested in giving additional support to the podcast, you can head over to our podcast Patreon page. Thank you very much for listening and catch you next episode.